Chapter Eleven of Mystery of the Sea. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Matt Braymiller. Mystery of the Sea by Bram Stoker. In the Twilight. It was not without misgiving that I climbed the steep zigzag at Winifold, for at every turn I half expected to see the unwelcome face of Gormala before me. It seemed hardly possible that everything could go on so well with me, and that yet I should not be disturbed by her presence. Miss Anita, I think, saw my uneasiness and guessed the cause of it. I saw her follow my glances round, and then she too kept an eager lookout. We won the top, however, and got into the waiting carriage without mishap. At the hotel she asked me to bring to their sitting-room the papers with the secret writing. She gave a whispered explanation that we should be quite alone, as Mrs. Jack always took a nap, when possible, before dinner. She puzzled long and anxiously over the papers and over my enlarged copy of them. Finally she shook her head and gave it up for the time. Then I told her the chief of the surmises which I had made regarding the means by which the bilateral cipher did such exist might be expressed. That it must be by marks of some sort was evident, but which of those used were applied to this purpose I could not yet make out. When I had exhausted my stock of surmises, she said, More than ever, I am convinced that you must begin by reducing the bilateral cipher. Every time I think of it, it seems plainer to me that Bacon, or anyone else using such a system, would naturally perfect it if possible. And now, let us forget this for the present. I am sure you must want a rest from thinking of the cipher, and I feel that I do. Dinner is ready. After it, if you will, I should like another run down to the beach. Another run to the beach. Then she remembered our former one as a sort of fixed point. My heart swelled within me, and my resolution to take my own course, even if it were an unwise one, grew. After dinner we took our way over the sand-hills and along the shore towards the Hawklaw, keeping on the line of hard sand just below the high-water mark. The sun was down, and the twilight was now beginning. In these northern latitudes twilight is long, and at the beginning differs little from the full light of day. There is a mellowed softness over everything and all is gray in earth and sea and air. Light, however, there is in abundance at the first. The mystery of twilight, as southerns know it, comes later on, when the night comes creeping up from over the sea, and the shadows widen into gloom. Still, twilight is twilight in any degree of its changing existence, and the sentiment of twilight is the same all the world over. It is a time of itself, between the stress and caution of the day, and the silent oblivion of the night. It is an hour when all living things, beasts as well as human, confine themselves to their own business. With the easy relaxation comes something of self-surrender. Soul leans to soul and mind to mind, as does body to body in moments of larger and more complete intention. Just as in the moment after sunset, when the earth is lit not by the narrow disk of the sun, but by the glory of the wide heavens above, twin shadows merge into one. So in the twilight two natures which are akin come closer to the identity of one. Between daylight and dark, as the myriad sounds of life die away one by one, the chirp of birds, the lowing of cattle, the bleating of sheep, the barking of dogs, 
so do the natural sounds such as the rustle of trees the plash of falling water or the roar of breaking waves wake into a new force that strikes on the ear with a sense of intention or conscious power it is as though in all the wide circle of nature's might there is never to be such a thing as stagnation no moment of poise save when the spirits of nature proclaim abnormal silence such as ruled when the earth stood at gaze like joshua's moon of agilon the spirits of my companion and myself yielded to this silent influence of the coming night unconsciously we walked close together and in step and were silent wrapped in the beauty around us to me it was a gentle ecstasy to be alone with her in such a way in such a place was the good of all heaven and all earth in one and so for many minutes we went slowly on our way along the deserted sand and in hearing of the music of the sounding sea and the echoing shore but even heaven had its revolt it seems that whether it be on earth or in heaven intelligence is not content to remain in a condition of poise ever there are heights to be won out of my own very happiness and the peace that it gave me came afresh the wild desire to scale new heights and to make the present altitude which i had achieved a stepping-off place for a loftier height all arguments seemed to crowd in my mind to prove that i was justified in asking marjorie to be my wife other men had asked women whom they had known but a short time to marry them and with happy results it was apparent that at the least she did not dislike me i was a gentleman of fair stock and well-to-do i could offer her a true and a whole heart she who was seemingly only companion to a wealthy woman could not be offended at a man's offering to her all that he had to give i had already approached the subject and she had not warned me off it she had only given me in sweet artful way advice in which hope held a distinct place above all the days and hours and moments were flying by i did not know her address or when i should see her again or if at all this latest thought decided me i would speak plainly to-night oh but men are dull beside women in the way of intuition this girl seemed to be looking over the sea and yet with some kind of double glance such as women have at command she seemed to have been all the time looking straight through and through me and getting some idea of her own from my changing expression i suppose the appearance of determination frightened her or set her on guard for she suddenly said ought we not be turning home not yet i pleaded all awake in a moment from my dreams a few minutes and then we can go back very well she said with a smile and then added demurely we must not be long i felt that my hour had come and spoke impulsively Marjorie, will you be my wife having got out the words i stopped my heart was beating so heavily that i could not speak more for a few seconds which seemed ages to me we were both silent i dare say that she may have been prepared for something from what i know now i am satisfied that her own intention was to ward off any coming difficulty but the suddenness and boldness of the question surprised her and embarrassed her to silence she stopped walking and as she stood still i could see her bosom heave like my own then with a great effort which involved a long breath and the pulling up of her figure and the setting back of her shoulders she spoke but you know nothing of me i know all of you that i want to know this truly hibernian speech amused her 
even through her manifest emotion and awkwardness if one can apply the word to one compact of so many graces i saw the smile and it seemed to set us both more at ease that sounds very rude she said but i understand what you mean and take it so this gave me an opening into which i jumped at once she listened seeming not displeased at my words but on the whole glad of a moment's pause to collect her thoughts before again speaking i know that you are beautiful the most beautiful and graceful girl i ever saw i know that you are brave and sweet and tender and thoughtful i know that you are clever and resourceful and tactful i know that you are a good comrade that you are an artist with a poet's soul i know that you are the one woman in all the wide world for me that having seen you there can never be any one else to take your place in my heart i know that i would rather die with you in my arms than live like a king with any other queen but you have only seen me twice how can you know so many nice things about me i wish they were all true i am only a girl and i must say it is sweet to hear them whether they be true or not anyhow supposing them all true how could you have known them hope was stepping beside me now i went on i did not need a second meeting to know so much to-day was but a repetition of my joy an endorsement of my judgment a fresh riveting of my fetters she smiled in spite of herself as she replied you leave me dumb how can i answer or argue with such a conviction then she laid her hand tenderly on my arm as she went on oh i know what you mean my friend i take it all in simple truth and believe me it makes me proud to hear it though it also makes me feel somewhat unworthy of so much faith but there is one other thing which you must consider in justice to me you must she paused and i felt my heart grow cold what is it i asked i tried to speak naturally but i felt that my voice was hoarse her answer came slowly but it seemed to turn me to ice but i don't know you there was a pity in her eyes which gave me some comfort though not much a man whose soul is crying out for love does not want pity love is a glorious self-surrender all spontaneity all gladness all satisfaction in which doubt and forethought have no part pity is a conscious act of the mind wherein is a knowledge of one's own security of foothold the two can no more mingle than water and oil the shock had come and i braced myself to it i felt that now if ever i should do my devoir as a gentleman it was my duty as well as my privilege to shield this woman from unnecessary pain and humiliation well i knew that it had been pain to her to say such a thing to me and the pain had come from my own selfish impulse she had warned me earlier in the day and i had broken through her warning now she was put in a false position through my act it was necessary i should make her feelings as little painful as i could i had even then a sort of dim idea that my best plan would have been to have taken her in my arms and kissed her had we both been older i might have done so but my love was not built in this fashion passion was so mingled with respect that the other course recognition of and obedience to her wishes seemed all that was open to me besides it flashed across me that she might take it that i was presuming on her own impulsive act on the rock i said with what good heart i could that is an argument unanswerable at present i can only hope that time will stand my friend only i added and my voice choked as i said it do 
do believe that i am in deadly earnest that all my life is at stake and that i only wait and will wait loyally with what patience i can in obedience to your will my feelings and my wish and and my request will stand unaltered till i die she said not a word but the tears rose up in her beautiful eyes and ran down her blushing cheeks as she held out her hand to me she did not object when i raised it to my lips and kissed it with all my soul in the kiss we turned instinctively and walked homewards i felt dejected but not broken at first the sand seemed to be heavy to my feet but when after a little i noticed that my companion walked with a buoyancy unusual even to her i too became gay again we came back to the hotel much in the spirit in which we had set out we found mrs jack dressed all but her outer cloak and ready for the road she went away with marjorie to finish her toilet but came back before her younger companion when we were alone she said to me after a few moments of humming and hawing and awkward preparation of speech oh mr hunter marjorie tells me that she intends to ride on her bicycle down to aberdeen from braemar where we are leaving on friday i am to drive from braemar to bolliter and then go on by train so that i shall be in before her though i am to leave later but i am fearful about the girl riding such a journey by herself we have no gentleman friend here and it would be so good of you to take charge of her if you happen to be anywhere about there i know i can trust you to take care of her you have been so good to her and to me already my heart leaped here was an unexpected chance come my way time was showing himself to be my friend already be quite assured i said as calmly as i could i shall be truly glad to be of the least service and indeed it will suit my plans as i hoped to go on to braemar on my bicycle one day very soon and can arrange to go just as may suit you but of course you understand that i must not go unless miss anita wishes it i could not presume to thrust myself upon her oh that is all right she answered quickly so quickly that i took it that she had already considered the matter and was satisfied about it marjorie will not object just then the young lady entered the room and mrs jack turning to her said i have asked mr hunter my dear to ride down with you from braemar and he says that as it just suits his plans as he was going there he will be happy if you will ask him she smiled as she said oh since you asked him and he has said yes i need not ask him too but i shall be very glad i bowed when mrs jack went out marjorie turning to me said when did you plan to go to braemar when mrs jack told me you were going i answered boldly oh i didn't mean that she said with a slight blush but at what time you were to be there to which i said that will be just to suit your convenience will you write and let me know she saw through my ruse of getting a letter and smilingly held up a warning finger as we strolled up the road waiting for the dog-cart to be got ready she said to me now you can be a good comrade i know and you said that amongst other things i was a good comrade so i am and between braemar and aberdeen we must both be good comrades that and nothing more whatever may come after for good or ill that time must be kept apart agreed i said and felt a secret exultation as we joined mrs jack before they started marjorie said mrs jack i also have asked mr hunter to come on the ride from braemar 
I thought it would please him if we both asked him, since he is so diffident and unimpulsive. With a smile she said good-bye, and waved it with her whip as they started. End of chapter 11